Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. So this is Christmas Sunday, uh, famously called Christmas Sunday because it's this Sunday before Christmas. Um, and, you know, we love to celebrate with our kids and, and involve them. Uh, I think one of the things I love about HCF is our kids are involved in our worship all the time. Uh, not always on stage uh, as angels and shepherds and sheep and all that, uh, but involved in our worship. And so it's always great to have them and, and then get them uh, to be a part of uh, the celebration uh, that we do on, on, a, on a Sunday before we celebrate the, uh, the birth of the, uh, of the one and only Jesus Christ, uh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the one who came here to rescue us all. Um, and so it's just such a great time to be together and, and even on... Uh, Friday night when we gather uh, with our candlelight Christmas Eve service and just worship him and celebrate and then end with silent night and lighting the candles together and hopefully filling this room up and, and just hear, letting heaven know how much we, we appreciate and love uh, our Savior for all that he's done. Uh, I want to welcome you if you're uh, new here, if you're relatively new here, if you're visiting family and you're, you're engaging with us on this Sunday, uh, thanks for being here with us. Um, it's no accident that you're here today, and if there's anybody watching online or listening on the radio, visiting with us today, and, and you haven't made a decision yet to follow Jesus, and you're here maybe because uh, you, you feel led to be here, or uh, you feel like you, you needed to be here, or, or maybe you just came with family, you don't know what you think about Jesus, my desire today is that instead of hearing my words, you'd hear Jesus' heart for you, Amen. that you'd know beyond a shadow of a doubt there is a God who created everything, who never had a beginning because he's always been. He'll never have an end uh, because there is no end with, with the one and only God. Uh, but this God loves you yep. and wants you. And even that last song that uh, Jose and Patience sang for us there, uh, that song is what it's all about. Emmanuel, God with us. The name Emmanuel, which is given to Jesus, prophesied uh, in Isaiah 7, before uh, 700, years, 700 or so years before he's born, he would be given the name Emmanuel, God with us. In other words, he'd walk on planet Earth with us and be one of us. He'd be our brother. Uh, he'd be our, our leader. Uh, he, 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 he'd be the one to, to pay the price for us as humans that, that we couldn't pay so that he could be our brother and our, and our leader and our Lord um, and he's with us. And that's when we kicked off this whole series. His name will be uh, with Emmanuel because it sets the stage for everything uh, for us in all of humanity and all of history is this God who would be with us. And then we, we've looked at in Isaiah 9 uh, the names that are given to Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, and today everlasting father. Uh, on on the, the Sunday after Christmas, next Sunday, we're going to look at the Prince of Peace. Uh, but... The big idea today is that his name will be Everlasting Father. And, and it's so important to, for us to see the unending and always pursuing love of a God who wants that relationship with you as his son and, and as his daughter, uh, that we would be in a relationship. We wouldn't just know him as God and believe that he is God, or, or believe there is a God, but that we would have a relationship with a Father God. And so Jesus came to show us 
who the everlasting Father is. And it's kind of an awkward one. I grew up going, well, Jesus is the Son, and he's called the everlasting Father. And growing up, I was always like, that seems a little odd. But the reason is, is that Jesus had to live as a human being, and then he showed us the major aspects of the Trinity God. So a few weeks ago, we talked about Wonderful Counselor. Well, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is part of the Trinity, and he is the Counselor. He's the, he's the counselor and he's the comforter. Those are his main two roles in our life. And so Jesus came to be the wonderful counselor so we'd have a relationship with the Holy Spirit so it wouldn't feel like we're talking to some ghost or some entity that, that Hollywood or, or, or something gives us about what you know, spirits are, but we'd realize that the Holy Spirit is real. He is a part of the Godhead, that he's a being and that he's our counselor. And so in Jesus, we hear all this wonderful counsel because he's telling us who the Holy Spirit is. And then today, we're looking at everlasting Father so we can understand the heart of the Father God towards us, both in the relationship he had with Jesus on planet Earth and what that's supposed to be for us. So knowing his unending and pursuing love for us, while at the same time for believers being motivated to be the, the arms and feet and, and heart and mouth of Jesus for all those that, that need him, that need hope and help, that need redemption and restoration, that we would, we would have that love relationship with the Father because of Jesus and then go out and tell people who are lost and hurting and in need, maybe don't even know they're in need, but tell them there's a God who wants to be the perfect Father for you. And so we're going to start off in Luke chapter 2, which is a great place to start on, on Christmas Sunday. And we have the manger here. Uh, Jesus, of course, was, was born and placed in a, in a horse trough or a feeding trough for animals. And, and so we have, we found the, uh, the ugliest, uh, the most basic feeding trough we could find to use for today. And in Luke chapter 2, Luke's writing in and it's cool because we see in this whole chapter the, the heart of a good father in the story of Jesus being born for us, for the salvation of humanity. Jesus is born in this humble and totally undignified way. I doubt any of us were, were placed in strips of cloth at birth and then, and then put in a, in a feeding trough that animals ate out of. It probably smelled bad. It probably hadn't been uh, sanitized. Uh, there was no baby wipes to clean it up. He was just placed in this ugly, basic feeding trough. People wouldn't even give his family a place to sleep that night. They had to sleep with the animals. And even in that humble, undignified beginning, God in heaven couldn't help himself but make a big deal out of the whole thing. We saw the kids play it out, but can you imagine... The, the night sky lighting up with angels. It's totally dark. Whatever stars were out, we don't know. But we know it's night. It's the middle of the night. And the angels, first one came and lit up the sky. And then the multitudes of angels came. God made a big deal of it all. And he sent angels as messengers. And they said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. The best Good news in the history of history. I'm bringing you great joy for all people, they said. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord. 
has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. They're saying, hey, it's, it's for everyone, so everyone can be saved. Not for a select few or for those that, that prove themselves or those that uh, you know, are lucky enough or, or those that I, I've you know, decided ahead of time, I'm only going to save those and not save those. It's for everyone. Everyone has a choice to know Jesus and be saved by Jesus. Peace, they said. Hope. The love of God for you. Now, for them then, the love of God. For you today, the love of God. The love of God for you was what was being declared by heaven in the simple birth of a, of a human born 2,000 or so years ago for the salvation of mankind. The most famous line in the history of the world, the most famous sentence that, that has ever been uttered in the history of mankind was when Jesus explained the whole point of Christmas in John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17, but, but in John 3, 16, it's, it's the most quoted, memorable, known sentence in the history of the world. For God loved the world so much that he gave on that Christmas morning that we celebrate his one and only son so that everyone who believes in Jesus won't perish but have eternal life. The Father God sends Jesus to help you. And he wants to know you and be in it with you. That's Emmanuel. I'm going to be in it with you. I'm going to be with you, he says. I mean, look at how the Father made a way for us to become his kids. Jesus comes down here like all of us were born. And then as he grows up, there's a point 33 years later where he takes the sins of all mankind on his shoulders so that you and I could be set free from the debt that we owed because of sin. Because sin is real and we're on the hook for it and we can't pay it. So Jesus does because he lived a perfect life and he was able to go to the cross so that we could be set free from the weight of sin. And so every human who's ever been and will ever be, has had an opportunity to say, I'll accept that exchange right there, that great trade. I'll take it. I'll let you pay the price, which you've already paid, and I'll accept your eternal life for my sin issues. And then you'll call me a saint, and you'll perfect me day by day by day by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. The entire reason for Christmas is right here in John three sixteen. It's the love of God. So when Isaiah prophesied his name will be Everlasting Father, he was talking about that fatherly love that he has for us. And I know that some people, you grew up either without a dad or a bad dad or your dad was maybe up and down. And even if he had the best dad on the planet, he wasn't, he's not the Father God. So we can't compare Everlasting Father with our dads on earth, even though sometimes we do. We have to compare the everlasting father with God himself. He's the only one that fits the bill. And so Jesus walked on earth to show us who God is. He's willing to, to sacrifice Jesus because he loves you. You're worth it, is what God's saying. Through Jesus, we get to understand the, the heart of the father, what, what the father God is really like. 
And God wants a personal relationship with you. He doesn't just want your belief in him. Of course, we have to believe in him. But it's not just like, yeah, yeah, I believe in him. He wants a personal relationship with him. He wants you to know him as dad. He wants you to be known to him as son or as daughter. He wants that intimate relationship. And maybe, maybe you're here first, second, fifth time, or maybe you come, go to church once, twice, three times a year. I don't know. But he doesn't want you just to believe in him. He wants you to know him as father. It's why Jesus walked on planet earth, why he had relationships with people, why we read about his three years of ministry with his disciples and they did everything together and he was intimately involved in their lives. He did that to show us what God wants in relationship with us. He wants you to know him as a dad and be known to him as a son or a daughter. And that's what we read in John 3, 16 and 17. So we celebrate that the Father is with you. We got to celebrate that the Father is with you. That's the point of Christmas, is this celebration. It's why the angels broke out in song and lit up the night sky. They were so excited because God was with people finally. The prophecy, what they've been waiting for since the fall of mankind had come to pass and they were excited. So we're celebrating that God is with us. It's the point of Christmas. Celebrate that Emmanuel is right there with you. He's in it. He's for you. That's what Jesus is talking about. God loved y'all so much. He gave me to be a sacrifice for you so that all could be saved. That's John 3.16. And then John 3.17. He sent me into the world not to judge you for being a mess, but to save you from a mess. No matter where you find yourself in life, whatever might be going on, whatever your desires may be that maybe aren't coming to pass or they're coming to pass really slowly or they're coming to pass and only half of them are coming true, Wherever you find yourself, he wants you. And he wants to be your everlasting father. In Hebrews chapter 13, there's this beautiful passage as the author is wrapping up the book. And and he's telling us about this God who's always for us. And it made me think this week as I'm reading it, man, who in here needs help? Anybody need wisdom for anything in life? Right? Anybody a parent? You better have both hands up, right? (laughs) Anybody scared of something strange happened in the world? It's like, I'm not like paralyzed in fear, but I I don't know. Maybe something annoying or bothersome is happening in your life and you're just like, God, I don't like that. I don't know what to do. Maybe you're just tired. Maybe there's just tons of thoughts going on in your mind. You're like, I can't even rest anymore because I just can't stop obsessing with thoughts or stuff pops up or, man, I don't even try to watch the news and then it pops up on my phone and then I get all wired up. Maybe you're just wondering. Maybe you would just love some of that fatherly advice we've all heard about and you just, you just need it. 
Like, I love fatherly advice. And I want it. And I, I, I know my dad wasn't perfect, but he gave me fatherly advice. But like God will only give me perfect fatherly advice. Maybe you got questions and you just want some answers from the one who started it all. God's presence, Emmanuel. It overwhelms anything negative going on in your life. God's presence trumps our panic. In life. That's good news. Him with me defeats any panic that happens in my life that, that comes upon me or that I drum up. And the author of Hebrews, right here in chapter 13, verse 5, he, he tells us that the Father who is for us promises to always be with us. God promises to never leave you, ever. You could do the dumbest, meanest, most ignorant thing and he will not walk away. He won't even entertain the thought. He promises to never leave you. He promises to never abandon you. And some people in this room, people in life have abandoned you. Maybe growing up, maybe friendship, maybe marriage, maybe your kids, maybe a workplace situation, but... You've experienced being abandoned in some way. And God says, I will never, ever do that. Hebrews 13, 5. You see, Jesus came to be on earth as a human to help us understand the heart of a perfect father who says, I'll always be there with you no matter what. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2 is one of my favorite passages in all of the Old Testament. Listen to God's promise to you. He says, But now, O Jacob, it's talking about his people, his chosen people, his nation, but today, so that was talking to them then, but when he says, O Jacob, he's talking to you now as well, those that believe. But now, O Christian, you can put in there, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, or O believer, The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. That phrase right there is, he's the kinsman redeemer. He's your brother who redeemed your life and bought you back. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Here's where it gets a little tough at times. The best dads on the planet teach and train and raise up their kids through the stuff of life. They don't necessarily remove them from happening. They teach us how to walk them through. Now, most of us in the midst of the big waves and the torrential rivers and the fires that are purifying us would go, I don't want to go through this. Did anybody ever say, turn up the heat? I love, the, I love feeling the pain. Nobody, unless you're mental, right? Nobody ever said, ooh, I can't wait for the rivers to be so raging that I, can't, I feel like I can't even get back up for a breath. Nobody ever said that. But God says, he doesn't say, When you go 
through the waters, I'll wipe away and you'll never have to see a drop of water again. When the fire happens, I'll cover you and you won't ever have to feel any heat at all, ever. He says, as you go through this stuff, I'm right there. Because I'm growing you and teaching you and training you and I'm showing you that I'm capable. I'm showing you I don't leave you. I'm showing you I don't abandon you. That's what he's telling us here in Isaiah 43. God's method of deliverance is most often not out of but through it. Sometimes he may remove it and just give him a lot of glory and praise for that. But most of the time it's teaching you as you go through it, as we go through difficulties, he's there with us. His presence with us through the stuff of life is our deliverance. That's the reality. Now, as parents, we blow it all the time, right? We, we do great and we do bad. And so sometimes we, I mean, we don't want to see our kids in pain, so we'd rather just remove everything. Okay, we're not going to have, there's not going to be any plugs, there's not going to be any cords, it's not going to, we're not turning on any stoves, and they're not going to have anything heavy to drop on your toe or anything to run into, get rid of all the trampolines, or if we do have a trampoline, we need to have 75 nets around it, all these things to protect our kids from getting hurt. And sometimes we just have to teach our kids Mm, that burner's going to burn. And I'm going to be here with the Neosporin and the bandage because I'm imperfect and I told you so, right? But, you know, we, we, we teach our kids how to do things. We don't remove it. Imagine if you removed every obstacle from your child. What would they be able to do at 18 or 19 years old? Anything? Anything at all? They wouldn't know how to do a single thing. So that going through the stuff of life teaches our kids, and in a greater way, the Heavenly Father, who sometimes we're like, where are you? Says, I'm right here with you. I know the waves seem really overwhelming. I know the fire is really hot. We're going to get through this together, and you're going to come out, and you're going to be stronger and more capable, more compassionate, more caring, more grace-filled, more patient with people. Because I've walked you through it, but I will never let you go it alone. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever you see ahead of you, because you got that report from your health, or you see your bank account, or you understand the, the shape of the economy, or whatever it's going on, you see something coming, you're going through something. I don't know. Maybe you feel like you're drowning. Maybe it feels super hot and you're not going to be able to make it in your own mind. The pressure's on. I don't know what you're going through. I do know this. According to God, the creator of all things, including you and your heart that he loves so much, he cares. He sees you. He knows what's going on. He gets it. He loves being there with you. Emmanuel. He's the dad who never leaves. Life can be hard even in the good days, right? The best days, life can be hard. And he says, I'm just always here with you. There's a, there's a famous story most everybody probably knows about called the, the prodigal son. It's a parable Jesus tells, Luke chapter 15. And, and so Luke starts off writing about what Jesus is, is doing there. And he starts off at the beginning of Luke 
and he says, hey, there's, there's all these, you read the first couple of verses, there's all these dishonest people, these sketchy characters, these, these crusty individuals, notorious sinners. Luke calls them, he says, they, they were following Jesus around and they were, they were listening to his teaching and they were drawn to Jesus because what he was saying was so different from all the rules and, and seemingly hate that was coming down from these religious leaders. Jesus was loving and uplifting and encouraging and real. He wasn't giving them fluff. So they were drawn to it. And the religious leaders were getting mad. How dare somebody in, you know, in religion care for people who are broken? I mean, it seems so weird. You'd be like, man, I hate that hospital. There's just sick people and hurt people that go there. You know, how dumb would that be, right? If we got mad at the doctor for taking care of the sick person. You should only take care of the person who's in perfect health. Hmm. I mean, it would be ridiculous, but that's what was going on. And they even got mad because they ate with Jesus and he ate with them. They're like, oh, he even eats with notorious sinners. How dare he? So Luke sets the stage that way. And Jesus knows what the religious leaders are saying and thinking. That's scary. He knows all the bad things we're thinking. And so he addresses it with three stories. He tells these stories about the, the intense and pursuing love of God for lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. He's telling about the Father's heart for us. His lost created ones. You were once, or maybe you still are, lost. We were all lost at one point. Some still are, and that's why we still live on mission, loving God out of that loving people and going to them and telling them the gospel story. So Jesus tells stories about this intense love of God for lost things. And the final story is the famous one known as the prodigal son. And what's interesting is the word prodigal can be positive or negative, depending on what the person is doing that's prodigal. Prodigal basically just means wild. So the son, who's the picture of the sinner, is wildly debaucherous. He's like selfish and self-centered and wants his own. He's like, I know you're still alive, but give me my inheritance. I'm going and living on my own. I don't need your rules no more. And so the dad gives him his inheritance and he goes and he lives this debaucherous, kind of think of Vegas and New Orleans and Miami all got together and he lived there in that one city kind of lifestyle. That's one way of looking at prodigal. Another way is looking at the prodigal God. This wildly lavishing love upon us God. Makes no sense. I, I'll have my son die in your place. I love you that much. If that's not a prodigal wild love, I don't know what is. He loves you so much, he would send his son to be born in something like this. This is probably actually a, a nice condo compared to what Jesus was born in. But he'd send his son to be born into, into basic poverty, an extreme poverty moment in history. And then 33 years later, die a criminal's death on a cross so that we could be saved. If that's not prodigal, I don't know what it is. And so Jesus is telling this story. Wild and crazy son and a wildly loving father. So the son lost everything and he's like, I got to go back. At least I can live, you know, somehow. And the dad's looking. And so the dad sees down the road this dirty, messed up, 
broken, seemingly hopeless son walking down the road. And we read in, in Luke, as he's slinking his way back home, verse 20 says, the father was filled with love and compassion. That son called me dead and took half of everything that I had and basically just gave me the backhand, lived horrible, and I'm so filled with compassion and love for him. Uh-oh, doesn't sound like an earthly father at all. And I told you so, or uh, you better make it right, boy. Sounds like a, a love that is incomparable to human condition. He's filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. Verses 22 and 23 says, Give him the finest robe in the house. Give him a ring that signifies he's mine. Get him some new shoes. Kill the best calf. Because we're going to barbecue tonight and have a party. The father always and only ever longs to restore you to all that he has for you starting with relationship with him. Never makes us pay. He never makes you pay because Jesus chose to pay. Christmas was boots on the ground for Easter. And it's a beautiful story. All about his love for you. It's what it all comes down to. Christmas is a love story and the love affection that, that Jesus has or that God has is, is towards you. That's the story of Christmas. That's what it's all about. We celebrate, we have trees and gifts and lights and songs and hot chocolate and apple cider. And it's awesome because we're really celebrating the season that is about how much we're loved. Because Jesus came down to make a way where there was no way. So our Christmas goal is that we would see the everlasting Father and His unending and always pursuing love for us. And I'm going to ask you to stand right now. In a moment here, we're going to sing one last song. We're going to sing Light of the World, which is a worship Christmas song about Jesus coming into a dark place. Isaiah 9, darkness existed and a light shown among them. People were living in dark shadows and they saw a great light. That's the light of the world. This Father. And I want to encourage you during this song, if, if you've never had that deep relationship with a Father God, ask yourself why. Because there's some kind of block there. Either a belief that I can't have this relationship or a pain and you can't have this father-son, father-daughter relationship, ask. Say, Father God, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate to me the reason I don't have this kind of love relationship with you as my dad? And just let him love on you. And if you do have it, when we sing this song, sing it loud, sing it bold, sing it faithful. Declare that's who he is, the light of the world. You were in a dark place, living in a dark shadow, and he found you and saved you because he loves you that much. The Father sent his Son to find you so you could always be in heaven with him. And if you're here or you're listening or you're watching and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you have to decide sometime in your life to believe in Jesus and follow him or say no. 
And at the end of your life, that decision will lead you to a life everlasting with Jesus or a Christless eternity. And He wants you. He wants you. He sent Jesus because He wants you. So if you want to know Jesus and you want to live forever and you want to be fulfilled and you want to know the wonderful counselor who's the Holy Spirit and you want to know the everlasting Father and have that relationship, you say yes to Jesus right now. Let's pray and then we're going to worship. God, we thank you for your intense and immense and, and far-reaching love for us. And I pray that everyone in this room would have a relationship with you, Jesus. For those that know you and believe in you and follow you, Oh, I pray that we just celebrate right now. For those that struggle with, with that father-son, father-daughter relationship, I pray that there's a breakthrough right now during this song. And for anyone in here who doesn't know you, has never made a decision to follow you, that they would just say, I believe and I want to follow. I take the trade. I will take your life and you will be my King Jesus and you can have my past and give me a new life. Because all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved according to you in Romans 10. And now we worship you, Jesus, in spirit and in truth. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.